Okay. Welcome to One Inch Pro Scary Podcast. This is Kirsty Sayer, and my guest today is Jeff Gardner. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. Jeff is Jeff Gardner, MD, and I have invited him because, um, firstly, I think he's fascinating, and I don't know him very well, and I'd like to get to know him more. Um, and he has always been a very uh, kind and measured kind of commentator on several different things on my page you kind of weigh in you're somewhat outside of my usual echo chamber um (laughs) would you agree (laughs) i might agree with that yeah yeah you're somewhat you lean maybe a little bit more conservative than i tend to um but we have the background i believe that we're both ex-mormons I think that's Indeed. how we connected. <laughs> yeah. I'm not entirely sure how we connected. But <laughs> here we are today. We know each other from online, which is basically. And so this, I was just telling Jeff before we got started that this is going to be a really fascinating um, conversation for me because I know him almost as little as any of you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I like him. And what I've read of what he has to say in particular about the coronavirus um, has been, uh, you know, really uh, solid measured. I like Jeff um, more than I like most um, MDs because he doesn't have a bunch of arrogance um, and he's really willing to, to say, Oh, I might be wrong about this or we're still developing story. Um, And, and that's not to say that I have any vendetta against MDs in general, but I tend to find that that's not, that's kind of an unusual quality. So um, in the ones that I've met that, you know, you're just like, really like, no, I could be wrong, but it seems like you're more right than wrong. So um, what is it that you, I I feel like we kind of, um, we had a meeting of minds on one particular issue and actually let's let's let me backtrack a little bit let me allow you to introduce yourself give us some of your credentials your background where you live or what the scene is over there sure i do think that's relevant to this discussion because yeah i think you and i come from fairly different scenes as far as the threat of covid right now so um that is something to keep in mind i think uh local variations um you know just our perspectives can differ just on that sure Agreed. Yes. I am an emergency physician. I live in Salt Lake City and I work primarily in Las Vegas. And then I work at um, a couple of rural ERs, a a trauma center essentially in Las Vegas, then a couple of suburban ERs in Vegas as well. And then I also work at a couple of very slow, sleepy little ERs in northern Nevada. So I kind of have a range of, and I've set it up that way. I like the variety. So um, that's awesome. That's so cool. You do really have a pretty broad perspective of this thing then. Maybe, or I just have ADD and I can't stick with one thing. I don't know. (laughs) You trained in Michigan, you said? You told me. Yeah, yeah. Detroit. Yeah, just outside Detroit, but yeah, in that area. So I know the area pretty well. Uh, Yeah, so you've kind of had that perspective as well, which I think is also relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, Go on, sorry. Okay. Anyway, so I, um, I finished residency in 2007. I've been practicing since then. I did some, obviously did emergency medicine residency. I did a lot of moonlighting there, but 
And then uh, that, uh, and then I've done full-time emergency medicine since then. I went to, I worked in Southern Utah for ooh, a good eight years. And then I spent a year overseas in New Zealand and then came back and moved back to Salt Lake. And I've been working in kind of the Vegas market and Northern Nevada market since then. What part of uh, Nevada? What's Northern Nevada? So Elko and a little town called Battle, Battle Mountain, just le- just west of Elko, like about an hour west okay. of Elko. Kind of sleepy little town, right. Jeb. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, I, I'll give the caveat again that I am an emergency medicine physician. So that's more, that is my background. That's my expertise. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a public health expert. I do enjoy both of those because I am kind of a numbers guy. I was a math major, economics major in high school, or in college. And so um, I kind of enjoy that kind of mode of thinking, but I'm certainly not trained right. in it. Right, right, right. Well, you're a lot more trained in it than I am. So I look <laughs> forward to your perspective on this. Well, thank you. I, it's a very flattering introduction. I appreciate it. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. So what we were sort of having a meeting of minds. And so, you know, we had some gentle push back and forth, I believe, um, where I'm inclined to just, you know, like I think you've pointed out several times is that everybody is wired differently um, in terms of their tolerance for risk. And yes. what is also um, important and relevant is, um, you know, what the response is around you. And so, you know, uh, you know, how compliant those around you are, what kind of risk there is in terms of how much you're dealing with, how much exposure you're getting to the virus, all of these things matter. And um, so you and I sort of, I'm like, I keep telling you, well, I come from a place of an abundance of caution because I just feel like, you know, it's better to be too careful than not careful enough. And you've said, well, definitely you can concede to that, but there's a like a fine line between the abundance of caution and the fear mongering and or the terror which gets people actually um so unhinged that the mental health becomes as you know much of a crisis as anything else and so you know we need to be really careful to create a balance that we can continue to take care of ourselves both physically and mentally throughout this and so talk a little bit more about that. Sort of what's your take on, on that? Yeah, and I might even backtrack just a bit. Um, I made one of my earlier posts on this that I, I still think pretty, pretty well summarizes how I've approached this. And I, I think that's an important kind of background before I get too much into the specifics. But I, gave a, I, I talked about, a, I shared a post about risk in general. And as ER doctors, I think we are a little, we've been taken aback a little bit by the public's reaction to this because, and, and this is, of course, generalized, g- generally speaking, um, yeah. I, I'm sure there are exceptions on both sides of this, but when we, you know, I say every day in my job, I, I'm kind of reminded of this fact that life is fragile and I see people younger than me all the time die of things that they had no control over. That is not a comfortable fact. I will be the first to admit that I'm not comfortable with that, but it's something I've had to kind of just accept. And I'm I'm continually reminded of that. And And you sort of have built up some, some somewhat of a tolerance for that reality. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's, that's part of why 
we're a little more able to deal with that because I think we're remind, it, we're almost numb to that idea. Maybe I, I would like to say I've accepted yes. it on yeah. a deep spiritual level, but I don't think I've really accepted it. I think I just am, I'm I'm probably a little numb to it. So well, you'd have to be in order to cope with that, right? Yeah, yeah right. You'd have to build up some sort of callus. Yeah. yeah. Not callousness, but I just mean like a callous in terms of, you know. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so when I kind of, so when this comes along, I, I'm thinking, well, okay, yes, this is another one of those things that I don't have a ton of control over. I don't really like that fact, but, right. you know, it, it, like writ large, this is not a huge, you know, writ large meaning looking through the history of mankind. If this, right. if this were a 1% threat to our general existence, we have a 99% chance of surviving that. And those are pretty good odds if you look at through the history, even if you look through the current world. I mean, there are countries in Africa that don't, they, they, those would, they would trade for those odds in a second. So, I, you know, I'm kind of taking Absolutely. this grand kind of look at it saying, well, yeah, I knew that my life was fragile. I knew I might run into an epidemic at some point. Oh, and, you know, I, I got, there was a, we all have these experiences that I think stick in our brains. And one of my formative experiences was during residency in 2003. And I'm managing, and it's, it was another coronavirus, the SARS epidemic. And I was managing a patient on a ventilator who was five years older than me. And, um, you know, I realized he did, he ended up surviving. But at the same time, oh, goodness, I, like, we, we've been through this before. So, yeah, so that's, yeah. And I think the public just wasn't quite aware you know, we went through this with swine flu. We went through this with Zika virus. We went through this with, uh, you know, not, and this has turned into the largest. I don't want to deny it. But we have been through these scares before. I just don't think social media was there to remind people every corner right. that this threat is looming. And so, it, so it, right. it, people were just unaware of the threat, blissfully ignorant, if you will, um, which is, uh, I, I don't want to say ignorant in the negative way. Just, I think we were kind of going, well, this isn't really that new. <laughs> I mean, we've had this before, but so, so coming from that background, I think we're already coming from a risk tolerant background where I don't think yeah. most people are. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So then we, uh, I think, right, yeah, I think social media does add this whole layer of intensity and that's for better for, and for worse because um, it's been helpful in being able to inform and hopefully, you know, has had a large part to play in flattening the curve um, at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. A lot, a lot of terror. Yeah. It's, it's, I, you know, I know that if I want to, you know, like get unhinged quick, just like hop onto Facebook for more than five minutes. And there you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> One stop shop. Yes. But it's also, like you say, it's been an invaluable source of sharing information and educating too, that we've never been equipped with. Um, yeah. And so it's right. enabled us to it's... flatten the curve in a way I don't think we were capable of before. So, you know, there's two sides to that coin, like you say. Right, for sure, double-edged <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, yeah, for that way, sure. Um, and then, so, that is, so I think I came from that, kind of, and I think generally us, most of us in the emergency department kind of came from that thinking, Okay, this is this is not terribly new. Now, uh, on the uh, on your side of things, I have been a bit surprised at I'll admit to being a bit surprised at the magnitude of this. I didn't think it would take off like it has. Um, yeah, well, you you and like you know everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> don't feel don't feel bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> I did feel a little bad. I mean, that was kind of our job. But... <laughs> yeah, I won't feel alone. There we go. The president is right there with me. It's not good company. Don't <laughs> won't say. No, no, right. But but that's the thing, you know. Um, I was reminded just as a like little anecdotal aside that yeah, there is a definite difference in the tolerance level to this kind of mayhem in those in the medical profession and they there must needs be otherwise they'd be too afraid to go to work it yeah at all. um but i just remember my my husband's uh, mom was a nurse and she was completely impervious to any kind of drama you know like he <laughs> tells the story of running around with a stick in his mouth a sharp stick that went straight through the roof of his mouth and he was gushing blood like copiously and the uh his siblings were like destroyed and mom 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 and she's like serves him right i told him not to run with the stick <laughs> and he doesn't really remember any attention being given he's still got this big you know dent in the roof of his mouth and i'm like well that turned out uh probably better than it should have but yes there is a whole different kind of, you know, and the thing is he did live. So whatever, but, um, but I'm, I really appreciate you kind of like giving that perspective because it does help me to, it even helps me to calm down a little bit, you know, when I consider it from, and I am aware of the numbers and the stats and everything and that they're drastically in our favor. But, you know, when we see all these terrifying accounts of how people are dying alone and how dreadful it is to die or even how difficult it is to recover and knowing a few people who are in the throes of trying to recover from it and how hard it is, um, that's maybe tipped the scale more to fear than is warranted, given that I am very cautious and I'm taking all necessary precautions. Um, so, I mean, it's really good to kind of have that very, I don't know, I don't know if I'm articulating it properly, but just to have a very matter of a fact, um, sort of, uh, what's the word, perspective on it as a doctor, because you are, and I think you've said this more than once, um, you know, doctors and, and people who are working with COVID positive people are at infinitely more risk than somebody who's running past another person on a trail because it's the amount of exposure so let's talk about that a little bit that's an important point yeah um and then yeah and then i do want to kind of circle back to the this kind of the the narrative that has been shared in the media that seems to accentuate fear, fear that seems to be based a lot on anecdotal you know individual stories which i think are important but we'll come back to that um yeah. Well, you don't even have to circle back. Just pick anything <laughs> I've thrown at you because I tend to just be as ADD in my conversations oh, and interviews as I am in my life. So just, you know, let's just go wherever. Oh, this could be interesting because I have the same problem. So um, <laughs> I just kind of want to bookmark that. But I, we can go there now. But I, I, yours, it, it is an important point you're making about the dose thing. So we'll get, hit both of those. The, the, the dose, the infecting dose, like you mentioned, I, that's what I'd like to call it. Um, is really important in this particular disease. So meaning it takes a somewhat moderate to high infecting dose of virions, which are little viral particles, to get sick. Now that, that's going to vary on the individual. There are some individuals that are more susceptible to these than others. We've talked about people on ACE inhibitors, which is a blood pressure medicine. Um, we, we found that this virus, it's, that's its port of entry is these ACE, in, the, the ACE inhibitor 
bond, binding site. So, so people who are on ACE inhibitors who have these upregulated are particularly susceptible to this. You know, there's these individual variations with people. So, so a, there are certainly people who are more susceptible to getting infected. Certainly people who, you know, people who are smokers, we know a lot of the risk factors that will not take a, will do worse with a lower dose of viral particles. But in general, you have to have a, a decent dose. So, so we don't see a lot of asymptomatic transmission except in people who have, or who are close in contact over an extended period of time who keep getting doses. So, you know, husbands and wives or people that living in the same, same household. Um, but, you know, passing the stranger, the well-appearing stranger on the hiking trail is probably not gonna, is probably not gonna give you that kind of dose. Now I'm gonna insert a lot of probably because there's never is not a word in medicine. It's just, you know, it's never, never. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's always possibility, but, right. but, you know, range of risk. That, that does make sense though. That does make sense. And that is comforting. I'm going to grasp. <laughs> I want you to get these little things okay. to grasp onto. I'm doing the same thing at work. And I, <laughs> I'm going to grasp it. I don't want to pretend, you know, we, 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 ER doctors, it's not like we, we don't go in without fear. I had a patient today who, um, who, well, I don't want to get too technical, but we, we were putting on a certain breathing machine that is pretty aerosolizing and yeah I get a little nervous and I just have to keep reminding myself I'm wearing a mask I've got my proper PPE has become this new word that everyone knows that is it's kind of funny yeah. I don't even know what that stands for can you know <laughs> no I'm no like, no PPE, as if I'm, a well, I'm like they don't even have the PPE I think it's great and then I'm like I should google that <laughs> it's personal protective equipment it's not that it's not that fast that makes sense maybe if I'd sat there and thought about it for a while like I could have decoded it but I was just like saying it like I I knew what it meant the other day and then I'm like Christy you're such a fake no, no, you no. don't even know what that means oh medicine <laughs> doctors fake all the time so no worries <laughs> Um, so I'm in the so, so I'm in the room with this guy, and I know, like you know, this thing where where I where we I, I'm actually swimming in viral viral particles that are aerosolized all around me, and yes, that makes me nervous. But you have to kind of grasp onto these yeah. little facts of science. You go, okay, I'm wearing the protective gear that I need to. It can't get it. I'm not inhaling. If I'm inhaling anything, it's coming in very very minute quantities, and I will be fine. So, I mean, you just remind yourself of these little things, but I think it, yes, it is an important adaptive kind of thing. Great. Well, yeah, I can imagine. And so this is probably why, well, this is not probably why, this is why the lack of PPE is so horrifying um, because there are doctors who don't have that reassurance. So, yes. Yeah. I'm glad and, and for, I think for, even on. more so nurses. I think doctors are probably being taken care of. It's probably the nurses who actually have to interact with the patients more often and you know they're yes. and for extended yeah periods, exactly yeah. i think they're the ones that are really at risk from that i i haven't ever faced that ppe shortage to the extent i'm seeing of stories of nurses but plus doctors are always so in and out exactly so quick quick in my that opinion, is a privilege yeah. i'm taking full advantage of right now <laughs> yes yeah, and then you know yeah, they're telling yeah, us well, too too we i mean we ought to be in yeah, and out quickly, of course so. we were talking about though um Oh, we we're gonna. I wanted to, to hit on that idea about um, you hear these personal stories, and I want to admit that mm -hmm. as a weakness of mine because I I tend to sometimes, and maybe it's a defense mechanism, but I will sit back and kind of analyze from the global picture, and it's been frustrating to me in a sense because I feel like the the media with the I think NPR is the great exception to that. And maybe that's a personal bias as well, but I am a little frustrated on both sides, both CNN and Fox and 
they seem to be honing in on the things that will ri either rile people up or make them really scared. And um, mm -hmm. I can really appre I can appreciate the individual stories. I think those are important ultimately. But I feel like when I listen to or listen to or read on their web pages stories from either of these sides, I feel like it's 90% individual story. And maybe if I'm generous, 10% on here's what you need to know and here's what your overall risk is and here what the big numbers say. It's very, right, right. and I don't know how to escape from that. I, cause people, cause definitely stories are what sells, but I do feel like, again, my perspective, I feel like there's this, uh, they're selling fear more than they're selling accurate information. Well, that is, you know, what, what, what the media Yeah. Is. Yeah. Like there's nothing new. <laughs> fear, right? sells. fear sells better than sex <laughs> anymore. So, um, yeah. Not a sexy I mean, virus. That's, yeah. that's so, that's so true. Um, so what is your take? And, and like now I'm throwing yet another little ball into the juggle. Um, what is your take on the fact that maybe, and of course this will vary by region. We hope, we hope that it will not get as severe in many more places as it has been in New York. But, you know, where there's going to be more and more people with personal stories to tell. Do you feel like that's going to be the case because i mean i am a person and i know at least one person who's recuperating and it's a real hard struggle right now for her um do you think that's going to be typical that everybody knows somebody that everybody's friends with somebody who's had it or do you think that's going to be completely regional or is that unfair of, you, of me to even ask is that like a crystal it ball? It is. A, I think it is a bit of a crystal ball. I just don't feel it's a fair question. I'm not sure I'm really qualified to answer it to the extent that I am. And right. of course, I'm paying attention to models um, of yeah. when peaks are supposed to be hitting. I'm working in Vegas right now. And we're kind of in the middle of that week where, you know, this week and kind of into next week where we're supposed to be peaking right now. And we're pleasantly surprised mm. that it's doing better than expected. I think most people... Are people com are people pretty compliant over there in terms of? I think so. <laughs> I think so, but I also think they're pretty compliant in my social circle in Salt Lake City. So, and I've seen other people say they report from Utah that they think everyone's breaking the rules. So, so I, I think it probably depends on your social circle. So I don't, I, I don't know, but. I, I think that's very true because when you said, oh, yeah, I don't know anybody who's not freaked out or taking this seriously. And I was like, yo, <laughs> dude, if, I, if only I were you, then I would feel a lot better because practically nobody I know is taking this seriously. Um, and then I hear also I also hear outrage stories from Utah of like people just going on as if there's nothing happening and. So yeah, it's really it's confusing to be to be fair. It's confusing, and I think it also depends um, on what your definition of taking it seriously. I'm sure as well. That's the thing. So okay, so here's that's a good question. What is what would your definition as a doctor be of taking it seriously day to day? How how what do you think is is you know about right a happy medium? Oh, goodness. It, uh, let me talk about Vegas first. Vegas is in a unique situation because it's so dependent on, on external tourism. I mean, half of, its, half of its business is conventions that come in. And so those are completely shut down. Uh, so I think okay. we're a little bit fortunate here. 
I, I say that just because I think it really depends on where you live. I think if you are in New York, yeah. um, if you are in New York, you should never walk outside without a face mask. You should minimize your trips outside. I mean, it, it's almost a Wuhan yeah. kind of situation there where it's, it's really yeah, virtual sure. lockdown. I think if you are in Kanab, yeah. Utah, your roles are a little different. It's yeah. very, you know, your, your interactions with other people are going to be much more rare. Um, I think that the, the current restrictions right now of groups less than 10 people and trying to keep it that same 10 people, I think that's reasonable right now. I think that the six foot right. social distance, if you, when you have to go out in public is reasonable. I love the idea of masks in public. I wish we would have started there. Um, I think that right. was a cost-free right. decision. I, I, I'm not sure why that, that – I don't understand the thinking that went into that. Because, Well, because nobody, like, cottoned on to the idea that we could make our own masks, and they were afraid. They were trying to – I my theory is that they were just trying to keep them on the shelves or at least available to medical personnel. And but, cloth, so, but cloth masks aren't useful to us. Know. So, like, a bandana or, a, or, or make your own mask in going out and doing that for yourself, I think that's great. I don't know what – why not? Yeah, no, I think it's cool, but like nobody freaking cottoned yeah. onto that until they did. <laughs> and I think if they hadn't done that already, <laughs> yes. But I think that was the reason. I don't think it was because they didn't think they were useful. They were just like, wait, let's just, you know, hold off and pretend they're not so that the nurses can have a fighting chance. But then they didn't realize, like, wait, you you y'all y'all could just put something over your face. That would be good like a bra a bra i did see that yeah um i mean i have to think it crossed their minds right this is their field i would hope that crossed their minds that people can go out in scars i i think that was a real mistake on their part and i wonder i'd really like to see what their thinking was you know when all of this is over we can go back and and hear them out but i don't know if they wanted if they thought people would become falsely confident or think they could just go and continue normal activities if they had a bandana over their face or i don't know what went into that well, I yeah, that's probably, I mean, that's probably an element. I suppose there's a lot of them that people don't really know how to handle themselves around masks that, you know, you've seen, you've probably seen sort of those viral videos of the guy like licking his finger to try and open the plastic bag in the produce department. <laughs> and then like behind the mask, <laughs> going back and forth behind his mask. You know, idiocy like that. I don't know. I don't know, man. There are no answers to why leadership has been what it has been. Yeah, there's. It's 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 a disappointment for the most part. I mean, but we've had we've we've definitely seen some good leadership on the local level. So yeah, your governor's killing it, right? That's what I hear about the Ohio governor. Yeah, yeah, apparently he's smart. Um, I think that yeah. the widespread testing. I think our two biggest missteps, I think that the masks in public could have avoided a lot of problems. And I think uh, widespread testing right off the bat would have, you know, I'm like I'm armchair quarterbacking here. Um, and I don't know all the details that went into those two problems, but those were our two costliest mistakes. If we had had, had widespread testing six weeks ago, I think we could have made a less right. costly, more targeted kind of social distancing kind of thing. But yeah you, that that appears to be the consensus and it makes sense it just makes total sense that the, the testing the lack of testing has been yeah, catastrophic yeah. really so um so right, you so were where else did i interrupt and derail you valiantly <laughs> no no i think we were talking about what uh what do i consider responsible behavior 
So there are so many variables yes. that go into that. And I do think it's a little bit tailored to the person. I think a chemotherapy patient is going to be very different from a 15 year old, for instance. Um, and, and before it, anyone gets mad at that, I'm aware of the asymptomatic carrier transmission model. I think that has been emphasized a little bit more, a, a little bit more than its weight would warrant, but it's, it certainly is a possibility. But I think, uh, you know, if you are an 80 year old person with diabetes and blood pressure problems and, uh, you know, certain risk factors, if you're a smoker, I don't think you leave the house and anyone that comes in the house, they wear a mask um, or you don't agree to see them. You know, and I, I and I, I it, depending on how you, you know, my mother, who is, bless her soul, she is a, an eternal release society present for the Mormons out there. She just, she, that's, that, that's how she lives. She just lives her life to help other people. And I remember early on in this a few weeks ago, you know, if she's on chemotherapy, her second round of breast cancer, not, not intensive kind of chemotherapy. Oh, this is the kind of, kind of longer, more chronic chemotherapy, but you know, she is immunosuppressed. It's not, um, she's, she's definitely not the person that should be out running around. And she said, Oh, but this, oh, this, I needed to go visit my friend who she's her. She has a friend who's kind of a shut in who's 90 and, she goes, well, she needed a visit. She was crying on the phone to me. And I'm kind of, mom, <laughs> maybe just take a break. He'll be sad. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, at the same time, she's kind of earned her right to define how she lives. So it's hard for me to say, mom, this is how you need to do it. Yeah. I think if she were to die of this virus because she went to serve her 92-year-old neighbor, she would say, this is a life well lived. So it's. Yeah. I, I, I imagine she would. So long as she understands exactly. the risk. And that's, I think, what the balance is like. Do you get how risky that is? And you're willing to take the risk? If so, like more power. Yeah. But if you don't get it, then I have to keep talking. And that's kind of the balance that I struggle with. It's like, I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. I don't want to be scary. I don't want to like nag anybody. I'm over it as much as you are. And then you're like, but do you get it? <laughs> I really hope you get it. <laughs> like, I, and you know, you know, is that irresponsible of me? Yeah, no, I yeah. see what you're, yeah. It, it's such a nebulous definition. I don't know how much people get it. I feel like people get it to the extent that yeah. they want to at this point. I feel like if they I don't, so if, yeah, if they're not going to hear any new thing from me now. <laughs> the thing is, I think people, and I have a friend who's been so cautious. Um, at first, wasn't at all. Just was just like, dip, 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 didn't. And I think it was because she didn't get it, right? And um, she, so I kind of tried to school her and then she totally got it and she totally bought in and she was all about, you know, mitigating all risks um and then just then yesterday just like totally lost the plot just completely just no more no more of that. <laughs> and i was like okay so there's literally nothing more i can say is there i'm like i feel like you have just kind of jumped the track and you are done with this and there's some kind of like mental like skip that's happening that I cannot do anything about so okay you know and I think that's exactly it it's just like and I think this is how we can kind of converge on the whole mental health aspect because people are like I'm literally going crazy here. yes so what 
what I'm trying to, what I would love to see, and I, I've, I've spoken to lots of people who are kind of in leadership positions in the community and stuff who are concerned about finding this balance so that people continue to be appropriately cautious, but not so burned out by it that they just throw caution to the wind and make everything wasted because they're just over it. You know, and I think there's a lot to be said for not getting so scared that you get so burned out that that happens. Yeah. <sighs> and you've definitely been a proponent of that kind of balance, which. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important. Um, I, I kind of reflect on a friend of mine who uh, has problems with anxiety and she was not leaving the house at all. And I, um, even to go out on a walk or, you know, she was holed up and kind of in fear and reading Facebook all the time, you know, that's an extreme example. And I don't know. And mm-hmm. happily she's kind of corrected that, but. I don't think that's unusual. I think that is happening. Yeah. To yeah, I do too. People, honestly. And so that yeah. is so, so yeah, I feel like it's, imp- it's important to still do these self-care things that are good for our immediate physical health. Yeah. I mean, they're immune boosters as well. And so even if you were to become infected, it's important to think about your baseline immunity and how healthy you are. Uh, we talked about Before the break. We were talking about um, the necessity to kind of keep up on, on those self-care practices that existed before all this came along. Um, so I think, okay, so I'm seeing a trend and I don't want to be that person who is like insensitive to the fact that people are feeling a bunch of trauma right now. And, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty privileged in my situation right now. So I don't want to be judgmental about anybody who's in a situation where they just can't do anything. They are just feeling that sense of paralysis. Um, but I'm just seeing a lot of almost like it's trending to just be kind of like really sedentary, drink a lot, eat a lot. Um, and just like, we're all in this together. We're all on the sinking ship. Let's eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow. We literally die. And I'm like, I don't think that's necessarily the best way to go. You guys, I'm just saying, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be the first to say it, but I'm like, let's gently, like we had a week or two or three to kind of like, you know, get over the shock of all this. And we might want to start shifting to back toward, you know, the routine of taking care of ourselves and not eating literally everything in sight or, you know, drinking (laughs) a ton you know, and I'm as guilty as anyone of that. Initially, I was just paralyzed. I just, everything went out the window, all my routines, all my self-care routines, which I'm really vigilant about um, for the sake of my mental health more than anything, um, just kind of paused um, and not to good effect, I might add. Um, so what's your take on that? Do you see the same kind of thing or am I just really keyed into that because I'm guilty of it or what? What are you seeing? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm not sure I have any special insight into seeing anything differently than you. Of course, we are more influenced by our own patterns and what we see in our immediate circles. I, I think I, I some, so I think I use my routine almost as a defense mechanism sometimes as to go, okay, this is my normal that I know. 
and yes. I need to keep doing this. So I was, I kind of grasped, I've been, my meditation streak has been better than it's been ever. <laughs> but, you know, part of that has been yes. time, but part of it has been, oh, I need this. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of things that I, I kind of grasp onto that. So it probably depends individually a little bit. I think that's a very, well, that's really a healthy way to go. And it makes a lot of sense. And um, definitely to be commended. And that's what I'm saying. I think that we do need to kind of have that like, okay, all hands on deck. We do need everything we need right now. We need all of our, our defense mechanisms. But I've just been seeing a sort of social trend towards it's, it's fine, you guys. Like, just chill. Eat, yeah. drink, watch Netflix. And, you know, I'm all about, like, not shaming people if they're just sort of in that state of, like, hang on, I'm processing but at the same time, um, you know, from your point of view, just from a medical point of view, don't you, it's, it just seems extremely important right now to sort of become extra vigilant about doing exercise or getting outside and, and getting sort of that fresh perspective. Yes. I, no, I, I just want to emphasize, I'm not saying that to brag or to like shame anyone. Oh, no. I, I just think that was my life. Oh, it didn't okay. come across that way at all. Don't worry. Okay. It's my, like, that's my defense mechanism too, I think. So, um, yeah, I think at this point, I think, I, I do think we have to be kind of settling into a, a new normal, whatever normal means, you know, I, um, yeah. and I think we also have to kind of get used to the idea that and this is so much easier said than done, but there probably won't like this is normal whatever is now is, is normal like this is what we yeah. do right they i keep kind of waiting for like okay well yeah it's like we're almost like when the holidays end but like the worst the the opposite of like when this <laughs> this when the grossness ends we can get back on track <laughs> yeah when people really binge drink and eat and sort of lay around a lot during the holidays and we're like oh well thank goodness that's going to be over soon um and now it's like when the horribleness ends. <laughs> yes. Man, that's not really. <laughs> it's not. And I, I think, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't mean to, to be like a doomsdayer, but like January 2020 is never going to be again. Uh, and that's, we'll be, we'll feel, we'll adapt to a new different normal and it might be better and it might be worse. There are some things that are going to be good. I mean, I think. We found new ways to access doctors that most people didn't ever know about or think about before. And even therapists as well. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah that's Brilliant. a great point. Um, and I think we hopefully will detach a little bit from our from our need to to consume so much. Um, yeah. And so just go to the shops to entertain ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, global warming is... I mean, where the, our pollution in Salt Lake, at least, is better than it's ever been. The same in Vegas. Um, so, so I mean, I hopefully, oh, yeah. like, some really I'm good. There's some really yeah, nice things. Yeah, our inversion has been awesome in Salt Lake. I was going to say this, this, this inversion. I, I, I always hear about the inversion, but I haven't heard any inversion stories this year. Is now, in fairness, around this time? you know, in fairness, it March, we, March is usually kind of past the bad days of the inversion, but. We usually still get a few days and it's been clear skies. And I've seen some pictures of LA that are remarkable. I don't know if you've seen those that, that LA looks like a different city right now. But um, so I. I, I oh, that's amazing. That's 
very heartwarming. I know that you can see the Himalayas now from places you could never see them before. So, yeah, so that's, that's we w- lovely. We wouldn't mind some of these changes being permanent. Not all of this will be permanent, but I think we're probably going to be trying to adjust to a new new normal. And I think it's a healthy fact to to try to lean into radically accept whatever your your choice of Buddhist mantras are. Um, just kind of to kind of settle into this is our new normal right now and next month will be a different new normal and we'll just kind of move into it anyway um i I think it's normal to normal again i keep using that word uh no i love this idea of the radical acceptance of yeah yeah like embrace this because and i think what you started by saying was is a point that keeps coming back to mind for me is that we've never been in control we've just had the illusion of control but this is just giving us this big fat like universal bitch slap that this has <laughs> always been the case like we used to think we were in control we've never been in control we're just universally experiencing that reality um that truth shall we say of what has always been a reality now we're all having this we should call it the great awareness of the fact that we are mortal and not in control anyway so i think that's a really lovely thing um to reframe it as this radical acceptance. This is what it is. And so what are we going to make of it? You know, I like that. I think that that control point is a supremely important one. I think that's, if you look at the history of technology, especially, you know, over the last few hundred years, it seems like every step is this effort to say, to exert more control over our surroundings and our life. It hasn't made us any happier. It's improved, you know, it's, it, it's improved certain kind of external measures. Our, our standard of living is certainly higher, but is that making us happier? I don't, I, I think you could argue it's probably not, but, but it does give us this illusion of control. And this is a little reminder. Oh, you don't have complete control. Still, we have a lot more control than most people throughout history have had, but yeah, we aren't ever in, it, it, that's still an illusion, even that, but we have more influence maybe is the right word. But, you you know, this is a reminder that still life is fragile. We don't have complete control over our lives. And And we also, we had this lovely, um, well, not lovely. I think it's terrible. In fact, it's absolutely (laughs) horrible. But this, this, like, this weird idea of our separateness. Like, if I'm okay, but you're not okay, well, that's okay, because at least I'm okay. And now we're recognizing that, if some people aren't okay, then nobody's going to be okay. And ultimately, that's always been a truth on, you know, on on a spiritual level. But now we're seeing that in a really, like, fundamental biological level. Like, you cannot be every man for himself. Eventually, this thing catches up with you, that philosophy. And I think that's actually a really, it's an important and like timely thing to happen because we've all become so obsessed with our separateness. So, and that reminds me of the other thing we wanted to discuss so that we'll have to come around to that eventually. But Okay. Write it down. No, it's on that separateness idea. We're two ADD people conducting an interview. This is fun. Um, we have a, <laughs> so, so <messed> <laughs> the, uh, the individualist ethic, you know, that we see a lot, I, I think that explains a lot of the difference between what's happening in Europe and the Western countries in the U.S. versus what's happening in the East is we, we really treasure our individuality. And this is a, this is a phenomenon that doesn't respond well to individuality. It responds well to group measures. And 
you know, we could never pull off a Wuhan type shutdown. We could never in, in the US, we could never really, I don't even think we would deal well with the, the effort Singapore has done um, and Hong Kong. Oh, and we just, no, I mean, you could, you've seen the protests in flipping Michigan and Ohio today. So no, we would not deal apparently, but I, I want to take issue with the expression individuality because I think it's completely different from self-interest and this sort of like this, I think this is romanticized idea of this rugged individualism, which doesn't exist in other countries. And I think it's to the detriment of the U S and obviously a lot of people are going to take issue with that. So we don't have to go too deep a dive into it. But I think that, you know, when your right to be whatever it is that you want to be, um, sort of like, you know, infringes on the, the, the actual life of others, um, we've got to really take a look at those philosophies and how healthy they are. Oh, I'm not. And, I'm not defending the philosophy at all. I think no, I'm not. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying the expression, and I don't think you you even use the expression with much thought at all. No, I didn't. But I'm just saying in gen- in general, and I I assumed that you would agree with me as much as I assumed you didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think oh, you were taking a position at all. Sure. But I'm just saying that expression individuality is a good. You know, that's a, it's a lovely thing, and we all are entitled to it, and it should be celebrated. But I think self interest is a better a better expression to use hmm. in this case okay. because I do I've seen you know in South Africa and I think you're familiar with South Africa to some degree which is where I'm from this idea of Ubuntu is very strong where we're all you know people are honestly just you know one nation everybody is in the same sort of where they've got the same idea when it comes to this, everybody's aware of the need for social distancing and they are committed and they have so much more to immediately lose. And that's, that's just a humbling thing to witness, but they're doing better. It seems at flattening their curve because of it. So I see that, anyway. you know, it, I, it's interesting. I see the same thing in my friends in New Zealand. It, they're, they're like all on the same team and it's almost, it's almost this, we're going to show how well we can do this together. Um, Yes, it's us all against this virus, and here it's not. It's political, and we were gonna and we were gonna talk about that. (laughs) Oh, jeez! But you wanted to talk. But you were on some other fascinating thing, and I keep interrupting and derailing. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. This is great. You keep bringing up really interesting things. (laughs) So nice. That's such a nice way of putting it. Um, (laughs) I don't even know what I was saying, so it can't be that interesting. I've lost track of it. Okay, were we so talking about self care or? Um, I remember yeah, we were going to talk about self care. <laughs> sure, Pick that's what we were whatever. talking about. Pick up whatever thread you feel. <clears throat> okay, so I, you know, maybe this takes. You would ask me a little bit ago about what I consider a healthy approach, and I will say what I do for me. Uh, and this is my yes. my position as, which I think is important. I'm healthy. I I have this. I, I generally have an, a strong immune system, whatever that means. Um, I don't have any chronic medical problems. I'm very blessed that way. So I, my position has been, I'm going to focus on my health maintenance above everything. I need to make sure. Now I'm also going in a position where the most likely position, the most likely place I'm going to be exposed is at work. And I will tell you in the last two weeks, I've worked 
how many shifts, five, six shifts. And I had a big yeah. exposure today. I had one a week ago and one the day before that a week ago. All things were, all of these were things that are somewhat out of my control. One was a psychiatric patient that was found drunk in a ditch and they brought him in and he was combative and we had to kind of wrestle him down and, um, and, and, oh, you know, and, and, and no one's, no one's thinking COVID at any point. So we sort of are half-assing the, the PPE stuff just because we have to, we have to get this guy um, sedated and, and tied down. If you're, if you work in the ER, you'll understand this patient. Um, but then he tested COVID positive. I have no idea if he coughed in my face or, or what kind of exposure I had there. He did. No, no, no. I don't oh, know if he did or not. Word. I just, it, oh. like the precautions weren't there. We were just trying to kind of get him. Oh, no, but you said he tested. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, I had that. And then I had another more, a little more significant one today. Um, it's just stuff that kind of happens. And I think we're all getting kind of used to the protocols and how we're supposed to treat these. And I think that's a lot of what's happening with the healthcare worker exposures I, yeah. I'm ho hopefully New York's kind of get into gotten into their routine and maybe having fewer exposures now because things are smoother they know what they're doing but we're still a little new here in the west and you know things just happen you're not yeah. you, you don't have the streamlined process yet so <laughs> so I've known kind of from the beginning I have to I have to take care of my immune system to the extent I can and so exercise daily exercise has been super important to me so it concerns me when people are eating poorly and staying at home because I feel like they're just putting themselves at greater risk. Um, Indeed. And so that's, that's been a really important part of my. And alcohol, alcohol consumption has gone up apparently like 35%, which oh. is an alarming percentage. And I mean, look, I will not, I, I've had a few more drinks in the last few weeks than I would ordinarily have had, but it really is a, you know, it's, you're the you'd be able to tell us the effect well, of alcohol. Yeah, and I'm guiltily um, raising my hand too. I, there's a difference between knowing better and actually performing better. And when you're at home and yeah. you're you know you're eating lunch with your wife for the first time, that's as a regular thing. Well, yeah, why not have a glass of wine at lunch? <laughs> you know, and then have another one at dinner yeah. and have a cocktail to go to bed. You know, it's just a yeah. <laughs> suddenly I'm drinking three or four drinks well, a day. It's kind of a fun yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's only three or four drinks a day and it's not to cope or anything. I'm not trying to get drunk. I'm just, this is kind of fun. It's just I mean, like, yeah. this is here and exactly. this is fun. I have the time. I ain't going anywhere. Okay. Yeah. I'm not driving. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm not driving yeah. anywhere. I'm just hanging but, out here. So that can sneak up on you. And I've gained, I'm sure I've gained a few pounds from just not eating well, but so I'm not, I, I'm not practicing completely what I preach, but I have been faithful about exercising and meditating. So I, um, I will take credit for that. And I, that, that's been my sort of coping skill. Now, is, so that's the personal kind of upkeep. Um, the, the other part though is what, as far as personal protection kind of thing. Oh, everyone's gonna have their own standard here. I, just, I, I, agree with the, I agree with the recommendations right now. I think we'll be able to sort of relax some of those as we get testing more widespread. As we get serologic testing, that's the antibody testing to see who's been exposed as, as that becomes more widespread. And those have both been promised within the next week or so by Fauci, who I believe a lot more. Um, oh, actually, somebody. Right, right. That's <laughs> Weird. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I haven't been listening to the news because I it's just been too it's been too much. It's been too much. But if Fauci says so, then there's a, we yeah, have a shot. Right? 
So yeah, that, that antibody testing, um, you know, to see whether you've already been exposed is I think that's going to be the biggest game changer in all of this, aside from a vaccine, obviously. Now I will throw out the caution, um, the the caution there that we don't know a couple of things about that. We don't know. And this is a little depressing to think about, but we don't know how heavily antibodies were, Mm. are, are involved in fighting off the disease. The discouraging, the discouraging thing we seem to be seeing is that, level of antibodies don't really correlate with illness, which makes you think maybe they're not heavily involved in fighting off the disease, which would take away from the chance of acquired immunity. Hopefully that's not the case, Mm. uh, but there is a small chance of that. We don't know that once you're exposed, you will be fully immune. I would think a safe guess is that maybe you're not fully immune, but you're probably going to be at least partially immune, at least for an extended period of time. And you might not get yes, it as badly, yes. sort of kind of how you can still get the flu when you get the flu shot, but maybe exactly, not yeah. badly. I think that's exactly. So that's the, so that's what we're hoping. And yes, I think antibody testing will be so illuminating and enable us to target yes. to target some of these social distancing that is so economically costful and I, costly. I don't want to I don't want to turn this into a money discussion. Um, but, oh, but it also, right. we have to keep in mind that the people who are bearing the cost of this are the poorest, are the most the, the poorest people. Yeah. And um, I mean, the, the, the wealthy typically can work from home. They can telecommute. They can social distance pretty easily. Poor people can't. And so it is important for us to figure out a way to, yeah, exactly. a way to get the economy running. It is. And, you know, it's a kind of a privileged position also to be like, no, we, you know, as as ironic as it sounds to say no we must social distance until the the threat is completely eradicated because um and i know that people feel like yeah you know because lives come first but lives are definitely on the line economically you know there are people in south africa who are yes. starving already just starving legitimately starving and the, and america is not that far behind i mean there are people who are hungry so it is a very real you know, this is a, a catch 22 of the most horrific nature, but I, it seems, yeah, I, I do. I'm totally on the right. same page as you is that we've got, we've got to be able to let, you know, at least some of the workforce get back yes. in there. And yeah. So it, even yeah. for the, and I think it also makes, you know, the things like the green new deal, some of these other liberal priorities, the green new deal is kind of, is, you know, out of reach right now. We can't do that in a in a recession, um, and so and a lot of the poverty right. initiatives are, are are more difficult to do. Ho- you know, hopefully, maybe we'll get a more sense a compa- sense of empathy and compassion for for the problem of poverty through this. And oh my gosh, yeah, and just this this in general, just this you know the circumstances that so many people yeah. find themselves in, uh, you know, with lack of proper medical care just lack of a living wage all of these things that you know if you do if you are out of work for a week it's absolutely catastrophic yeah and so many people are hand to mouth just so so many people so um and yeah i think that this back to that whole thing about how this is illuminating how it affects us all one way or the other we're all just part of one big you know one we're all part of this big ocean and a ripple makes a wave somewhere down the line and we're all going to be affected um 
what else were you going to talk about? Okay, so you're like, so what you do is you're boost, you're focused on boosting your immunity um, through exercise, trying to eat right, um, and I think that's honestly before BC COVID, <laughs> um, I was I was so like very very um, cognizant of immune boosting activities like I would do Wim Hof breathing method I would do cold shower like contrast showers the hot cold I would do yoga I would do my green smoothie every day I was hella like focused on drinking water and having enough fruit and veg and then with the great freezing <laughs> the paralysis the like of like oh my god like I literally just stopped all those practices for a good week just everything everything good stopped I didn't go for a run I didn't meditate I didn't eat anything like green I you know there was just like nothing and slowly I'm I, like you say trying to create this this new this new normal of you know okay you got to work things back into your life and no you can't run in the same place you used to run because people are morons <laughs> over there but you know you can still run, you know, there are other places to run. And um, so what else do you go out when you go out to wear a mask? When you go uh, mask I'm ready to be judged. <laughs> now that's, that's, re- yes. that's recommended. I think, so I think like, in the store, it's just, it's a responsibility kind of thing. I, um, I'm one of the higher probability of a, of an asymptomatic carrier that could be passing this. So yes, I, I consider that my responsibility if I'm going into a store, if I'm going to be around with the, you know, within six feet of other people, um, I got to wear a mask. Yeah. You got to wear a mask. Do I do? I don't, I don't wear it running. I saw an encouraging thing about, yes, I, I was about to say, I saw an article. It was very well. It looked really well done. It was, I, I was actually going to send you the link before this about how you don't need to be wearing a mask when you're running. So long as you, you're pretty sure you're going to be able to keep, you know, distant from other people which most of us can and i think sure which is why i don't i don't run on the trails anymore because they were just too crowded but we can figure out ways to run because i can't yeah yeah it's it's, it's It's just not but i well it's possible sure but i i don't yeah now i don't tend to run in groups anyway i i that's kind of my solo time so um so running, running with a group, I think I would be careful about because you're essentially eating lunch with the group. I, you know, I think about it. That's, that's one of these yeah. gray zone areas that I think, you know, what the risk you're getting into. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't run with it. I wouldn't go to aerobics class with 20 people in it or aerobics class is a probably bad idea. I, I, <laughs> everyone's kind of got to draw their own line, but I think it's. Yeah. Yeah, no, that seems like a yeah. terrible idea to be like, in a room closed up with a bunch of people breathing heavily that yes not i think that seems like a terrible idea too <laughs> so it's it's more like uh okay good. <laughs> I'm, glad we're on that I'm an outdoor exerciser so i think outdoor exercise <laughs> is good on a on multiple levels and so you know if you want to go on a run with a friend that's make it the same friend every time right you know there's these kind of if that if they're going to be in your social group although Although you're not going to want to go, say, for instance, you are exposed to so much stuff and could be asymptomatic. I don't think it would be. No, I don't. Yeah. With anyone. So, yeah. So that's the thing. It's like, mm, do you really want to go running with a friend when you look at that? Like, who's the friend being with? So bear yeah. that in mind. Like, is your friend in strict quarantine? Okay, cool. Then you guys, are you in strict quarantine? Okay. But like looking at, 
all the people <laughs> that that person's being with, all the people that, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, that's like exactly what it's bringing to mind. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you'll be safe <laughs> if you think about it that way, you know, like, like, like measure your risk in that way is, is how your I mask is your like condom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or is it, or is it? So, yeah. So, but you're, so you're sort of just taking, it seems like you're just taking yeah. reasonable measures and that's what we, all of us can do. What about the wiping of the groceries? And all I don't, that? I, um, I don't think there's a, so I, I've been suspicious of that from the beginning, just because this isn't, this is a respiratory virus. So it's, we don't have any, we haven't really, okay. I see any, should, I shouldn't say any, but we did see, this is going to get really gross and, and medical, but this is not a fecal oral kind of. Uh, virus, meaning we're not seeing intact virus in the feces um, that is infective. We are seeing very low levels of it. So, so, um, so, <laughs> so this idea of, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's great news. Yeah, that's not that's true of good. measles. That's not true of C. Yeah. diff. Because Clostridium difficile, which is another infection that happens, especially in hospital po populations. But um, there are other viruses and, and spores and bacteria that, that that's not true of. So, so the idea is that, you know, if you were to touch something and then touch your mouth, which would be the most common way to do that, it would be hard to transmit this. If you, if you touch something and wiped your nose or picked your nose, and I am a, I'm a nose picker, <laughs> I have to admit, I'll admit it publicly on radio. I'm but a, I'm a face, face toucher, but you know, you touch your face, it's not the same as inhaling virus. Inhaling virus is a, is a much more potent infector. Now, the, what about the eye thing? Yeah, the so that's eye that's eye a mucous eye. membrane. I think that's potential because there is a connection from your eye into your no nasal passage. That um, you know, it can it can follow that track. Now, technically, there is one from your mouth, from your lips into your nasal, you, you know, your posterior pharynx where your, your your airway is. But you're going through a whole lot of digestive enzymes that are going to destroy this virus. So. You know, I, that was my hunch. Mm, that's my hunch that's, from the beginning. And I, I kind of was validated by a, a, a woman I, who is doing a great job with this. I, I, sh I showed you her link, but she talked about this in, in better detail and, and much yeah. more smart, smartly or intelligently. And um, so, so getting, no, I don't, I think that's overkill. I, I, yeah. It, getting takeout food and, and yeah, you're okay. We're I mean, okay. wash your hands a reasonable amount of times just to yeah. avoid this kind of eye eye contact, nose contact kind of thing. But you don't have to be crazy about it. And I, and I, everyone's going to define their own level of crazy, of course. And Sanjay Gupta, I think I mentioned this to you. I love Sanjay Gupta. He is a great voice for medicine, but he is also um, on the very careful end of things. And um, he's a neurosurgeon, and we want neurosurgeons to be very careful and even compulsive. And I think he falls on that that end of things when he, yeah. he was talking about, I, I only bring him up because he's on CNN all the time. And he was talking about, you know, he, he has the, the, the takeout stuff left on his door and they leave and then he goes out and he sprays it down with, with some bleach solution or, you know, I don't know if he meant for this to be publicly shared, but I've heard him on an interview talk about this. So I'm kind of, okay, that's way, <laughs> that's an extra level of compulsion. Yeah, like, look, I, I kind of, I want to, like, why not? And then my, and then my family is just like, wait, and then I'll walk in and I'll be like, did you just, what? 
and they all like big eyes, you know, just staring at me and the takeout containers everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't put it on another plate. You didn't burn this all with fire. Oh my God. And so I'm relieved to hear that that might be overkill because I cannot keep this family <laughs> under control. They just won't. Yes. Control, <laughs> control, control. <laughs> that illusion of control. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So that that's a relief because that is a quite stressful, that whole situation of transferring the food because we're trying to support people, you know, the local the local businesses and get food and um, from time to time. But then I'm just like, it's not even worth it. It's just so <laughs> <No>. stressful. <laughs> so I think that's the that's the balance that you're also talking about, trying to create this this healthy balance. And I appreciate that. Um all right. Well, I feel like I've kept you and you've had this incredibly stressful week. You're a doctor in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> no, this was fun. This was a nice break. <laughs> lovely. Chat for a long time. Yeah. But what? Okay. So we had one other thing that we feel the same about, and that is the partisanship. Really, this isn't a time for that. This is not the time, I think. What is your time? That is a great question. So I... I posted that on Facebook and I was pushed back with some appropriate responses saying, well, timeliness is important and we need to discuss, uh, discuss the government's response as it's happening. And I do agree. I mean, we need to. And we do have to, we do have to all like, we've got to recognize, and I have to say with everybody knowing full well that I am, you know, you'd think I'm more liberal than I am. I would say that I'm more moderate than you would imagine. (laughs) Um, I don't even I'm 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 not a huge I'm not hugely approving of the Democratic Party by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think it's important to note that we have a president now who is flouting um all you know reasonable leadership demands. He is just not a good leader and he is he <laughs> it's just like we can't, I cannot stress enough that he that I really, really, really don't want him to be reelected. However, I'm finding that um, the constant like hysteria around every single thing that he said and done, I don't think that it's 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 working in the favor of those who who don't want to see him reelected. I think that it's just kind of feeding a fire that he's almost trying to. I don't know. Do we even want to go here? Yeah, but I, I think you're making here? an important point. I am not at all a Trump fan. I um, He pushes all of my buttons and probably not. I, I probably don't have a fair response to him because of that, um, because there are things that are irrational buttons that he pushes just... as well. But yeah, I think he's making a mess of this in general. That said, he has done a couple of things correctly. And I say a couple out of hundreds. So I'm not going to defend him. I want to hear what they are. Honestly, I would like to grasp. I would like, I'm not saying that even sarcastically. I want to hear what has he done? I can think of, I can think of two things. I will say he was the first, he, this is, I think mid February. He imposed that, the ban on China travel, Mm -hmm. on travel from China. I think that was a smart early move that he took some criticism from the left on. And, um, and okay. I think he was correct I, there. Yeah. All right. I, um, I, I'm not sure if he was accidentally yeah. correct. It could have been a racist correct. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like but that's probably completely, I, I think that may be likely, but he, he still did the right thing. 
I only due to the fact that he keeps pulling up the giant <laughs> So I'm like, it seems like I I don't doubt it. Racist, now, yes, I... okay. <laughs> if it's ex if it's accidental, it's still even a you know a stock <laughs> yeah. is right twice a day. So yes, I, I, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that China virus I point for a that. second. I think of all the things to pick on. I <laughs> I'm gonna be, speak very carefully here. Well, so many yes, there's there's many worse things, he, many worse things <laughs> he's committed. I think we do need to reevaluate our relationship with China. Yeah. I do not say that about the Chinese people, but the Chinese government. I think this is not our first rodeo with them with a deadly virus that has crossed into our soil and killed people. And until we have mm. much greater transparency through their supply chains, I so I will give him a little bit of credit for being strong against China because I do think. We, uh, we have a tendency to be a little soft with uh, this nation that is guilty of human rights abuses and also not at all transparent with their yeah, supply chains and their labor practices. And they have been caught, you know, they've been caught lying about this, telling, the, telling the, both the WHO and the world that this was not a human-to-human -human transmission well after the fact, well after they knew that it was. So I think they need to be called on, called out on that. So China virus doesn't bother me as much as some things because yes. I want people to reevaluate our relationship with China. Anyway, it's just it's just unfortunate that his base is taken. Yeah, away that's awful. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I totally horrific, agree. Yeah. So. Um, the other thing yeah. I think he's done is, yeah. and this is where this is what I fear. Um, he is he made the statement that the cure cannot be worse than the disease. Now, um, that is technically a correct statement. Yeah. Now, yeah, right, exactly. Um, he took some flack for yeah. that, which I thought was, wow, can you, like, it, it seems like we want to pick everything he says. He's saying wor plenty of worse things. There's plenty to hang this guy on. Um, but I do think that... Oh, yeah. But yeah, but but so many people have said it's just a little more eloquent. Yes, and that's less that's very true. Perhaps than he. The has. guy is not eloquent. So, I, 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 that's not a new. Yeah, this is not news. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, <laughs> right. No, and that's the thing. It's not that he's not eloquent, but it's the way he says things. It's I. It's just so transparent that he literally doesn't give a crap about people, and so I think that's people are taking exception to the mood or the intention behind it. Like he's like, yeah, we want money. Um, it's not that not a lot of thoughtful and kind and philosophical people have not said almost the exact same things, including ourselves, saying people are dying because they can't get money to, you know, from their daily hand to mouth kind of jobs. But the way he says things and the, in I think it's the intention behind it. And I look, he's, he's dug his grave. He's made his bed. Like this is why, but I get your point. I totally get your point that this is not something. Yeah. So here's my fear though, is, you know, that the approach to take in, in New York or even in Detroit and Ohio or Louisiana is different than the mm. approach that's needed in Idaho or um, even, you know, you know, Kanab, Utah or something. And he's, you know, I feel like yeah. there's people, Utah's numbers are actually fantastic as far as, you know, fa relatively fantastic. I mean, that's, that, it's fantastic is the wrong word. 
Um, Utah is performing very well. Now, a lot of that is based on Utah being a fairly young state, Utah having a relatively low smoking rate. We're also, we're also geographically, we're uh, not on top of each other like Manhattan, uh, which in this disease is important. Remember, dose right. is important. So physical proximity is a big deal. And to be able to eliminate without that without a lot of you know, huge controls is a big deal and it's going to really control its spread. So Utah's numbers, when you look at them, are really good. What 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 I'm what I'm afraid is going to yeah, happen okay. is, and I think much of the Midwest, I think a lot, some of these battleground states are similarly placed. I think he's going to be able to to point to Democrats and say, "See, look, all these Democrats wanted you to, you know, shut down, stay socially isolated. I cared about your jobs and the economy and stuff." And they're going to go here, here, yeah, you were right. Um, and in some some cases, I think you, the right approach was a little softer hand because this wasn't going to have the same economic impact or the same, sorry, the same um, health impact in Kansas as it would in New York City. Now, some of these were his were his base anyway, but I right. think he's strengthening that base and he'll be able to say for all the wrong reasons that I did it the right way. Yeah. And that's what makes me nervous. And the thing is, and it won't be, per, and the, the very, the, the kind of like sad and, and terrible part of this whole thing is that by instituting the, the, the curve flattening like measures, we did stop a catastrophe <laughs> and it's like, well, that there's no, there's way not, you're, that you're right happened. there. Um, and so it's, you know, it's like if nothing happens and this seems anticlimactic and this seems over the top, that's because it worked. Now, how much, you know, so, so people who are willing to put stock in that are willing to put stock in that, but the rest of the people are not. They're not. And they're just going to be angry and, and, and feel like he's completely justified in you know whatever it is yeah, that he says cer so, certainly yeah. like it's certainly his base is going to be strengthened in that um now i'm just going to push back just a tiny bit i think you're mostly right we did avoid a catastrophe we don't quite know everything we know until i think october or september there's a couple of advantages to waiting until then to make the analysis because we don't know everything about what approaches worked and didn't work we have sweden who took a much more um relaxed approach to this relaxed i don't know if that's the right word but a less government intensive approach they may turn out to have been the right ones i i just think we need to we need to wait to not overplay our hand as democrats and i do i want more than anything to have him out of office right. but i think you have to be careful not to overplay your hand be, until we really know it first of all and we don't know that until september i also think it's going to hit harder in september and october there's plenty he's done that has been so bad and remember, Hillary's emails had their impact the week yeah. before the election. And I just feel like, can we save some of it for then? <laughs> Especially because we won't be overplaying then. Yeah. Can we, can we just, yeah, can we just hold some, don't worry. He'll yeah. come up with more yeah. absolutely atrocious things. He's, he's always, he's always ready for more. Um, but yeah, look, I, I too think, you know, like the, this constant like oh my hell you know is it really necessary is it really necessary for gosh you know all these people to not be working and this is why we desperately yeah. need testing um but at the same time it's like you say it is important for you know to to look at i what makes me sad is that 
I, I see people like I had an interaction with somebody from Wyoming <laughs> who was getting super angry, super pissed by the fact that supposedly people in Michigan can't buy seeds. And I'm like, okay, if this is ever a dog whistle, <laughs> I've never heard such a dog whistle in my entire life. You live in Wyoming. You've never thought about Michigan in your entire life. You don't know what's going on in Detroit and you can buy freaking seeds <laughs> like as as much as you want. You know what I mean? But this kind of nonsense yeah. is obviously getting traction. And the thing is, Michigan did need every single measure that they're instituting, which is very obvious by the fact that they are right. dying in droves in Detroit. Um so, you know, this is what's so sad. It's like, yes, what you need in Wyoming is very different from what you need in Michigan. So how about you shut up and worry about yourself in Wyoming and stop getting so, so overwrought by the seeds in Michigan. But that's only because yes, they're being yes. up by this partisanship. And that's what's so sad about the whole thing. You know, that's really where it's backfiring for all of us is that when we've made, we make everything political, um, and essentially it is, but you know, the more we sort of focus on it and get so mad about it, uh, the more these nonsensical kind of like fights start where we're just not looking out for each other. We're looking. No, that's a great that point. No, I think that's a, that's a great I'm point. Just, I kind of wanted to add is that um, when we, when we make everything political, then everyone picks their tribe rather than listens to what's actually being said. And, and they'll either turn it off if they don't, if it's yes. not supporting their tribe or they're glom onto it if it is. So, you know, the recent example of hydroxychloroquine, uh, when he talked about that, this is a couple of weeks ago, you know, as doctors were like, you know, this is my gig. This yeah. is what I study all the time. And suddenly he's saying, oh, this is a miracle job. I have a great hunch about this. I'm going, whoa, 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 wait a second. Go get it. We've actually looked at the studies here and that the data is really mixed. It's, we don't have any really good studies for it. But even doctors are picking their doctors. I should have. Yeah. yeah, there are doctors that are guilty of this, I, that are picking their tribe, but they, they're picking their attitude towards hydroxychloroquine, not on the data, but on what tribe they are. And the Trump haters think it's worthless. And the Trump lovers think it's a cure-all. And I'm oh. going, ah, guys, step back. And That's let's really, really look depressing. at the data instead of based on your tribe. He might be right about it. <laughs> but That's really it is. That's terrifying when the doctors, I, you know, that's not that's widespread. Really I think scary. most doctors are actually stepping back and looking at it. Um, the Utah medical, Utah medical association. Well, though, oh goodness. This I came, I got an email from them. This is a week or two ago that recommended all patients be treated with hydroxychloroquine. Oh, and I'm God. going, Whoa, what on earth? Where did you get this? Stop they it. recanted it the next day because they must've gotten an angry response back because I, that surprises me. Oh, I, my hell. <laughs> well, nothing surprises me. Now, I, I have to say, the talk? UMA is not, <laughs> they are not in lockstep at all with the Republican Party, which th I don't know how that how that happens. Um, really? If they, they're a little bit. I, yeah, I'm oh, baffled. Though, I don't know exactly. what happened there. And if any Utah doctors have comments on that, if they have the inside scoop, they all got the email. Um, but it, it was, it, to their credit, it was recounted the next day, but but still, like it went out, and um, that is a huge problem that a medical association would do that. So, so I just feel like people. But the larger point is, like you said, yeah. when we make this political, when we make it all about, you know, if, is Trump doing the right thing? Or, then people get hypersensitive, and they won't even look at the what's being said. They're just turning it into a political statement. 
Well, when we start to, you know, when we start to attack the governor of Michigan, who's looking at the fact that, you know, I here in Ohio cannot get my mail because it's all sitting in Michigan. It's stuck in Michigan because all the postal workers are sick. So I see right here in Ohio how bad it is in Michigan just by the fact is I'm tracking my mail and it's sitting in Michigan. Um, you know, and the, when the governor of Michigan is trying to make a call based on the fact that people are dying in droves over there and they've got to shut things down. Um, and then she's getting pushback from some person over in Wyoming that she's trying to take away the rights of American citizens to buy and plant seeds. And clearly this is all, you know, this is the beginning of the end of government overreach. That's tragic. I mean, there are people who are sick. I think that's really the beginning and end of the women's agenda. Like I'd like to stop them being sick. So, you know, that kind of thing really concerns me. And and I think that we've all had a part to play in that. I don't for a second claim innocence. Um, I've been super strident and crazy. It's made us all crazy. Yes. Um, I am with you. I'm with you. It's made us all crazy. We are not our best selves right now. But I'm trying hard to be a little more measured and just to be like, how, how am I, you know, either helping, how am I helping? Because, Mm. or at least not hurting, you know, they say, if you can't help, at least don't hurt. And so, so that's something I'm trying really, really hard every time, you know, I feel that like the urge to repost or to rant about something idiotic Trump has done now be like, okay, look. Is it just adding to the absolute toxicity in this country where we've got bigger things, you know, more important things to come together and focus and find common ground? Because-